Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I am Jeremiah O'Shan. I'm Mark Kastner. This is the Sounder at Heart podcast. Joined by my co-hosts, Mickey Turner, Susie Rantz, Tim Foss, Beth Mantle, and Dave Clark. This has been an extremely weird podcast. How are they going to be able to handle that? It's just the bottom line is they don't have an answer to that. There was never really a time when I was super concerned. Seattle did fine. There's a reason they got signed to first team contract. Very special guest, Brian Spencer, head coach of Seattle Sounder. You know who he is. Brian... How are you doing? I'd start off, Jeremiah, by saying one thing, and this isn't my quote. I have to attribute this to Tom Dutra. He always says, tough times don't last, tough people do. Welcome back to another episode of the Sounder at Heart podcast. I'm Jeremiah Shan. Uh, joining me today is... Beth Mantle. Hey, y'all. Dave Clark, sup? And uh, yeah, so it's, it's the off season and we've taken, you know, I don't know, it was maybe a month since we last talked to you, but we've given it enough time where things are starting to happen again. And uh, we, we've emerged from our snowboundness uh, with news aplenty. Uh, the biggest piece of news, which we can start with, I don't know how much there is to say about it, but we'll start here. Uh, Dave and I were able to piece together and get some solid sourcing and the sounders uh effectively confirmed with by not denying it uh that long acres it raced the old long acres racetrack which you may better know as the old uh boeing uh property down in renton is going to be the sounders new home for the like next 30 years probably uh at least and it's it's a huge property. It's 150 acres. I don't think the Sounders are going to be filling up at that entire property, uh, but they no. will occupy they'll occupy some portion of it. And it sounds like there's going to be like retail and and housing and all sorts of other things that are going on there. Yeah, the company that's going to manage the entire property, Unico, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, yeah, um, specializes in kind of those mixed use stuff throughout the uh, Pacific Northwest and Denver. Um, the Bellevue collection, which is kind of the, um, a mall that's not part of the Bellevue square mall area. Um, but is, is an unusual thing for them. Normally it's like retail office, residential style, mini towers. And I would expect that, uh, the old Boeing headquarters to not necessarily be knocked down. That's a, that's a pretty modern building at this point. It doesn't necessarily need to, to change, but, um, there's a lot of space down there. Yeah, that's probably where I would imagine the Sounders will put like their business offices. This will actually, one of the things I thought was interesting about this, this is like the first time that the Sounders were able to be able to put their entire operation under one on one campus because early on they had the technical side at Starfire, but they had the business side uh, to the degree that they had their own business side was out at, at Virginia Mason Athletic Center with the Seahawks. Uh, and then when they moved out of Virginia Mason or VMAC, uh, to have their own space, they moved to Pioneer Square, and that's where all the ticketing office was. That's where, like, Adrian Hanauer's office was. That's where Taylor Graham's office was. That's where all their business folks worked out of. Uh, but the the technical side has always been at Starfire. I don't know that that was necessarily a problem for them, but it is notable that they'll all be in one place, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it'll be interesting to get them all in one place. Basically, the the Tamazawa side of the right the operations will be it able to talk to the loggerway side of operations much more easily. I mean, they, really the only people that 
do both regularly are, uh, well, Adrian Hanauer and the rest of the ownership group. Um, there's not a lot of crossover between soccer and business ops, um, but maybe there's an opportunity to get a little bit more. It definitely will make it easier for, you know, marketing to just uh, look out the window and take a photo right. um, kind of thing. Uh, it'll be great to see how they do it. That's a, the, the property is right off of an Amtrak uh, stop. And um, Sounder. F, and well, with the Sounder rail there, um, right. with uh, the F line that runs from SeaTac over to the landing. So there's lots of easy transit, um, plenty of hotel space in the area between um, Tukwila and Renton. And heck, Renton will be able to claim to, uh, to be the headquarters of two sports teams because they still have the VMAC up in the opposite oh, right. corner. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so um, it'll be interesting to see once the rendering come out to see what they do because there's undeveloped areas on that property. There's uh, two ponds that you have to get creative around. Um, because An those apple are... orchard apparently is on the property. Oh, they should Heck. keep the apple orchard. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah, absolutely. Turn it into like an influencer paradise. I think you make a lot of money <laughs> off that. Exactly. I would love that would be so much fun for them to like bring in um, the next Raul Rui Diaz and be like, here's our campus apple orchard. Think about the content in yeah. the fall. <laughs> I, know. I don't know I... when apples grow. When do apples grow? I don't know. Uh, All year round. They're ripe in they? the fall. Oh, okay. It, it, they're a late summer, early fall. So I had two apple trees on my, my right property there. growing up. But yeah, put all, the players, is put all the players in flannels, take them to the apple orchard. Oh, man. Give them little baskets. Yes. Oh. That's a very Kraken vibe. I could definitely. <laughs> I like this. I like where this is going. Uh, but I guess but maybe he... maybe more exciting than, than that part. No, it's not more exciting than the influencer part. But <laughs> also interesting is that they'll finally be able to have space to put the entire soccer. Like we, like it's, it's we don't talk about it a lot, but uh, the biggest reason I think that the Sounders have been looking to get out of or to move from Starfire is they decided that they really couldn't comfortably fit all their teams in Starfire while still sharing it. I mean, it's a public, it's supposed to be a public asset. So Starfire mm -hmm. was designed to be uh, a youth soccer facility. So there was no scenario where the Sounders, I don't think, could have kicked out uh washington u soccer or any of the other public entities that are that are using it and i don't know that they ever sought to do that but uh they they really needed more space and a lot of big reason for that is the academy players they needed uh space for the defiance uh and they now are going to have you know basically build out their dream facility and when you know i think one of the things that's interesting about starfire is that when it was built in 2004 and when the sounders moved in in 2008 it was considered to be among the the best facilities in MLS for training. Uh, you know, at the time, no one really had the flexibility that Starfire gave them. They had their own dedicated space within there. They weren't sharing locker rooms. They weren't sharing film rooms, any of that stuff. Uh, and they, they had a really dedicated space. But especially between 2009 and 2014, you know, it worked really well. But right around 2014, 2015, and certainly after 2000, by the time 2017 came around and we saw some of the, the really big money teams coming in, you know, it, it really felt like a minor league facility compared to the things that like Atlanta has. Even like New England Revolution just built a new uh, training facility, LAFC, uh, you go down the, the list and over half the teams in the league have built facilities or have dramatically re, uh, 
reinvested in their facilities since 2017. And these are facilities that now look like what you'd expect to see in Europe. And when the Sounders build this thing, my expectation would be it will be one of, if not the best facilities in the league again. But in the meantime, Starfire had started to become a little bit of a running joke, I think, among players. Uh, one person told me uh, after they, they were they were joking about how the the out the, that their their weight room is now basically in a tent, and like like those little things are have become sort of like the best kept secret in MLS. That like for all the greatness of what the Sounders organization does, it does feel like Starfire is has fallen woefully behind the Joneses in that way, and and the players are definitely starting to notice. Yeah, every year you just knock them down a couple of steps in those facility rankings right. as new places got got built. I think one of the interesting things to see what happens is I know that pre-COVID, Starfire would overflow the facility and have to use other fields for some of the tournaments um, around the region. And I know Defiance at times weren't even able to practice at Starfire because it was so busy. So they would practice it at various fields in uh, South King County as well. Um, so I would expect that Starfire and the Sounders maintain a relationship of some kind. And um, we see in whatever the next normal is, when those massive youth soccer tournaments happen after this thing is built, I would not be surprised to see um, field sharing between those organizations still, because they'll be, but it'll be the opposite of what the Sounders have, have dealt with, where they're the uh, kind of the add-on trying to find their way through high traffic right. um, to the two fields that, that they had exclusive use to. So it'll be a, a little bit different. It might be, you know, two or three youth youth fields of whatever the final number is. That's still something to, to be determined is how many fields there'll be, how big the indoor practice space will be is still TBD. Um, it'll be great. Uh, you know, you mentioned in, in 2009 when they kind of did the, the their largest renovation when they joined MLS to Starfire dropping a couple million to add some facilities, um, they only had 24 players max on the roster that year. Right. And now um, the most they've had in the Garth era for the MLS side, I think they hit 31. They've had 22 defiance players. Now they did cut back on Academy teams to just two, but they usually have 20 guys on each of those. Um, so you're talking about a hunt. You need locker space for about a hundred. Instead of 24. In kind of, in, in, instead of 24. So it's a, you know, they'll probably break it up a little bit. Um, but I would expect to see, you know, a dedicated space for the MLS Next Pro team, um, as well as uh, at least two dedicated. Well, they could go with just one and rotate players through um, for the academy. But I would expect to see more integration between the academy because I know there were times when uh, – they were just using the same public locker rooms that the the non-academy youth teams use to change. And um, I, I expect that the Sounders will, now that they have this opportunity, and they're going to be spending tens of millions of dollars um, between the yeah. property. And we don't have a number. Um, we don't have a number, but I would, I mean, you, you look at what everyone else is spending. And basically since 2017, the cheap ones cost about $30 million. And, you know, the most expensive one that's been proposed that is the Chicago Fire were talking about spending $90 million on their new facility. They haven't, I don't think that's been green lit yet, but that was the, that was the number that was out there. So I would, I would think the Sounders would fall somewhere 
on the higher end of that scale, probably not 90 million, but I wouldn't be surprised if they were spending close, they commit something like 75 million, which, you know, considering the team was purchased for 30 million in 2007, you know, that's a big investment. Uh, they've never spent anything like that on anything. They have, you know, they didn't spend that much to buy the team. They didn't spend that much on, you know, any one side they haven't, I mean, I don't know that they've spent that much on all their signings, frankly. Uh, like if you were to add up all the, or I shouldn't say that you, you add up, their last three or four DP signings and it's not $75 million. Uh, and that's in total commitment. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's a big, big chunk of money that they're going to be putting out there. And, and I think it has, you know, if there's a downside, this is the, I think one of the things that will be remain to be seen because we won't know this until it actually gets built. But I think the best thing about Starfire is how accessible it is. And part of why it's so accessible is it's a public park. So they, they, really can't shut it down they can't completely shut it down to fans and so even when you know fans aren't allowed to be on the training like right there in the training facility they can like essentially stand there across a chain link fence and watch the players play so there's always been a high degree of access there you know pre-covid it was normal to see dozens of fans there uh for big you know big send-offs or big you know the first day of training there would be hundreds of fans there and it'll be interesting to see how that part of it uh, is treated. I, I know the Sounders understand that the public access is a big deal and they're putting it someplace that should be accessible. Uh, but, you know, I'm curious your perspective on this, uh, Beth. You you obviously have been to Starfire a lot to see various things, uh, not the least of which was S2. Do you have mixed emotions about this move or do you feel like it's clearly a good thing? I Yeah, I think if you said that it wasn't a good thing, you'd just be straight up lying. Uh, which okay. sometimes can be fun, but not today. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's obviously a great thing. I really hope that they bring the Dippin' Dots freezer and the icing machine with them <laughs> because those were my favorite. Um, and also, I'm reading on this great article on soundardhard.com that there's two ponds. Um, can we there put are. ducks in them? Yes, good. I would like I... there to be a large amount of ducks in the ponds because I think that would be fun. It does and they seem should like... have a, a walking path for any visiting dogs yeah. who must be able to walk around the path with a dog. Yeah. yeah or like if that. you suddenly get gifted Heelys by some weird fans that you can take your Heelys on the walking trail and Heely around the campus. <laughs> yeah. No, I, th- I think when that, you talk that, about fan. A- oh, go ahead. No, no, go. When you talk about fan access, I think uh, they'll probably just in some ways follow the, the Kraken model and just have multiple open practices right. and just be like, Hey, we're practicing there. Um, and They'll probably have to, you know, in whatever the next normal is, we'll, we'll determine it's years down the road. So who knows what that'll be, be like, but I would expect, you know, particularly with Brian Schmetzer's influence on the organization, the culture that he's had. I remember there were times when um, the not Schmetzer's were like, fans need to be back out here, back out here. And he was just like, open that gate and let them get 20 feet closer on the other side of that black netting. Um, and I, I think that, that that's one of those things that will stick in this organization forever because the coaches, um, the players, they've seen what that fan access means. The, his whole, you know, the club is the relationship between fans and players. Well, right. for that to remain true, the fans have to have a relationship with the players. So um, I, I would expect this organization to continue to, to even build in some kind of access point. Um, it just makes sense. And I, I think the, 
the the downside to that access i think was not so much the like players being uh like swamped by fans i don't know how often that really happened but i do think players sometimes got tired of fighting for parking spaces with uh with folks for yeah when there's the parking lot of starfire makes absolutely no sense i don't understand no. why it's like a weird loop um so i hope that the new parking lot is less loopy <laughs> yeah the i would like to park there'll be really easy overflow parking since there's the public transit literally next door like long acres way uh yeah from the, coming from the uh the west side is essentially has access to the property and has a massive park and ride right there um, One, I, I don't expect this to happen, but it will be interesting to see if they build in some sort of stadium. I have not heard that that's in the plans. Uh, and we still don't know what the long-term home for the defiance is. I, I know that they're probably still holding out hope that they can get this uh, Tacoma stadium across the, you know, across, I think that would probably be their preference is to stay in, in Tacoma. Uh, and especially if they have a dedicated soccer stadium there, but it, it will be interesting to see if, if uh, a stadium is potentially uh, in the cards. I, I don't imagine it will be, but it wouldn't. They'll want it. They'll need some level of stadium just for, or they'll send the U-17s and U-15s over to right. Starfire. Right. Um, which is really easy. Heck, there's even a walking trail. I've, I've done that walking trail yeah, from essentially so that parking spot. Does the Green Lake Trail actually connect the two properties? Uh, is that part of the Green Lake Trail system? I think, I think that's so. the Green River. Green River. Trail. Oh, that's what I meant. Green River. Not, yeah. I'm sorry. Um, yes, I misspoke. I would have to look at a map. You might have to cross one street or one um, pedestrian bridge, but it's really close because um, the river is about a block and a half away from the edge of the property, just the okay. other side of the inner urban. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's an easy casual walk between the two. Not that I expect players to do that, but I know right. fans um, back uh, for the launch of S2, we used to gather at Odin Brewing in Tukwila and go oh, along yes. the Green River Trail. Um, so there's some fun stuff that they can do knowing that they're two. I wouldn't, I would expect if there's a stadium, it'll be something like you see at U, the lower end of USL one with about, a thousand permanent seats and like right. two bathrooms um not i i don't expect it to be massive but i would expect it to be dedicated to soccer as opposed to the high school fields that have, are unfortunately common in that league and probably common in what we will see in next pro yeah uh that's a whole nother thing that we can maybe get into it on a future show but uh yeah i mean i think this is this is exciting news and i and i think that you know, part of it is certainly tied to this bid for the 2026 World Cup. I, my suspicion is that we're going to see formal plans unveiled maybe by the end of the month. And, and I would think that those plans have already been shared with the World Cup organizing committee that, you know, that, that, you know, even though we are only now getting this news publicly, everything, my understanding was as far back as, you know, that visit that, that the World Cup folks were uh, would have at least been taken to that property and probably been shown some some rough renderings, even though the, the did they sales... take them to the apple orchard? I don't know, maybe <laughs> maybe that's how they closed the deal. The that's what got the us size. the World Cup, right? Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, next, next we'll have to find not, out what, what yeah. breed of apple they're they're growing there. 
a great question. Yeah. So investing hey, in journalism. <laughs> You've been working on another thing, and I'm just wondering which team is Albert Rusnak headed to at this time? Because it's changed oh, about yes. every 10 minutes. And that's not a great segue, but I, I know no, people it's not. will be. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've You've been working I, on two angles at once. Yeah. Uh, that's a good transition. It's a very smooth transition to talking about the, the roster. Uh, so Albert Rusnak is a player that I've been able to confirm the Sounders did send an offer to. Uh, at one point, they were pretty, they seemed pretty confident that they were going to sign him. But in the last day or so, all of a sudden, uh, that, that has been thrown into a bit of chaos uh, if you haven't been on Twitter, you've thankfully missed, maybe thankfully missed out on sort of the ins and outs of this thing. Uh, but Keith Costigan reported that the Galaxy were actually ready to sign him. And then within, I don't know, less than an hour, he retracted that and said, that's not happening. Uh, but then in the meantime, a report out of Saudi Arabia surfaced that he was close to signing with the team there. I can't remember the team, but uh, that felt credible to me. Uh, then the, there was another report from... Uh, Callum Williams, who is the Minnesota United announcer, who said that Boca Juniors was monitoring the situation. Uh, you would have to assume, and then Real Salt Lake Sale finally went through. My impression has been all along that actually RSL Sale has been like the new owner was probably more interested in opening up all three designated player spots. And that's probably why he wasn't going to return to RSL. So I don't know that that necessarily uh, impacts things, but there's a lot of moving parts and the situation feels very fluid. And the last time I talked to my Sounders source, they basically said, we don't know what's going to happen. Like we're, we're kind of just sitting here waiting to see what, what Albert uh, wants to do. So I don't know. I mean, it would be if the Sounders were able to sign him, my understanding was that they were trying to sign him on something below $1.6 million, which would allow, which he might technically be labeled as a, as a DP, but he would allow that would, if he was under that number, the Sounders could go out and sign two more U22 players because that's the way that the rules are written. If you have a tamable DP, you can still do that. And, and so that would have required him to take something like a $700,000 pay cut, which at 27 years old and coming off a season where he had 11 goals and 11 assists, that would be, I can understand why he wouldn't want to do that. Uh, but did they show him the apple orchard? Right. That's the big question. They may not have shown him the apple orchard. I feel and they like could, that might've been the mistake here. Right. Exactly. And they could have said, Hey, by the time your contract runs out, this place will be open and you can, and you can have, and, and in the meantime, we'll get, give you all the apples you can handle. Uh, so yeah, that I mean, I think it would have been a really great signing, and I and I don't know that I would close the the books on that possibility of that coming through. But I mean, this is a guy who's twenty, like I said, twenty seven years old, eleven goals, eleven assists. He would be able to potentially spell Nico Ladero while also being able to play one of those wide positions. He could play in a three five two. He could play in a in a four two three one. In a lot of ways, an ideal signing, especially if you can get him for sub you know, full DP wages. I just don't know that if it's, it's going to happen, but I, I think the Sounders were sort of waiting on that. I was surprised they actually had that much in the budget to even potentially make that signing. But uh, so I guess it's encouraging that they have that sort of roster flexibility at the very least. Yeah. But I mean, if it doesn't go through, we are getting a very similar level player in Dylan Tevez, right? Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, and that's it. That was, that is, a, so another good transition, uh, 
I've been able to confirm that the Sounders are, are I, they may have already signed him, but everything I've been hearing from the Sounders is like, they're going to sign Dylan Tevez. Uh, if you don't know who Dylan Tevez is, he is a former Sounders Academy player who came from Hawaii. Actually, I think he came over from Hawaii at the same time as Shandon Hopio. And uh, the Sounders have like a, have a, have a, having a relationship. Hawaii is part of their homegrown territory. They have a relationship with some clubs there. I guess he came through that program. Uh, he had actually played for the for S2 at one point. And then he decided the Sounders tried to sign him to a USL contract at that point. He decided to go to college. He was good in college his first uh, two or three years, but he had a real breakout year this year. He had 12 goals, eight assists, including two hat tricks in back-to-back games uh, in the NCAA tournament. Uh, people who have seen him play in college uh, fans seem to think that he could play as a number nine. No one I've talked to, uh, and I've talked to quite a few people that are professional talent evaluators, think that he's a number nine at the pro level. They, they think he's uh, somewhere in the midfield, and that could be like literally any of the positions that you imagine, and you can throw wingbacks into that as well. Uh, but they, yeah. they like it. Go ahead, Dave. You've seen with, him play more that's... than I have. Yeah, with us too, he he played, he started whatever the maximum number that you can start um, as an academy player, unpaid academy player. All of those were as kind of the six eight hybrid that was used at that time. They didn't have a dedicated destroyer, and so he and Gio Miglietti, who he, he played alongside at the UW as well, would start Who's in the as draft. Kind of, yeah, who is who is in fact in the draft as a draft eligible player, um, which means the Sounders have given up uh, the chance to have him as a homegrown. Um, but uh, those two basically played as two eights that couldn't defend. And that was in a time when S2 got basically run over constantly um, because there was no defense ability. Good times. Good times. Uh, I, the, the thought then was if uh, Tevez could adapt his, uh, his vision, that he could really succeed out on the wing, whether it's as a winger or a wing back. Um, basically think of him, as, in my opinion, I would think of him as kind of an older Ray Serrano, but oh, who has had who has had really great success in college. Obviously, Ray didn't go to college; still a bit younger. But the two players with a lot of similarities, a big ability to run, um, and cut in from wide positions. I would not expect to see Dylan Tevez as a, as a lone forward um, at the next level, and not like a, a chalky uh, winger either is what you're saying no like, not, not not the jordan morris style um he's, he's just not not going to play wing like that it's a uh, but he has some decent ball control and he's hungry and aggressive which is always fun you, you love those guys that that cut in at, at, at that kind of right angle um at the elbow um and get speed under them he does a great job of that he's got a little bit of a poacher's instinct as well um able to finish um in tight spaces a lot of those goals came off of like deflections yeah, I mean, and I and so I don't know what my I wouldn't necessarily expect him to come in and I definitely don't expect him to come in and start, but there's no reason to think that he can't follow a Christian role. On ask you know, uh, arc to work himself into the first team. And maybe by year two, got about a thousand MLS minutes, his rookie year. And then he was, you know, I think he was up to 2000. I think he doubled that his second year. And then he was like a full-time starter from that forward. Uh, I, I've thought of him sort of in a similar way as Christian Roldan, at least when he was coming out of college, but it sounds like he's maybe more of an, a pure attacking player than Roldan was 
uh, even though Roldan played as a 10 in college. Would you yeah, say that's, and that's right. I, I, would, I would agree with that, but let's also remember that Christian Roldan is um, a little bit of a generational talent. And I, yes, Dylan yeah. Tevez is up for the Herman Award, but um, Christian earned his way onto the U.S. national team, was the national Gatorade player of the year his senior year of high school. Um, Dylan earned all of this hype through his performance as a senior, a really strong performance, but it wasn't like we saw it for multiple years in college. Like right. if you look at his freshman through junior year, you're like, hey, that's, he'd be a pretty good USL player who might like do right. well kind of thing. Um, and I, my opinion of him has changed. Uh, it has to, when they put up numbers like that, um, but it'll, it'll be interesting. It'll be great to watch, uh, watch him. I expect uh, you and I are in agreement that, he'll probably get more time with defiance than he gets with the Sounders in 2022. Yeah. And um, what he does with that will determine his 23. Speaking yeah. of players who had a breakout season recently, <laughs> uh, Jeremiah, what's up with Alex Roldan? Oh man. Ooh. I wish I had a good update on Alex Roldan, but I don't. Uh, Do a bad update on Alex Roldan? I don't have a bad update. I don't really have an update. It sounds like the Sounders have made an offer to him and they basically like, this is sort of Garth's, mo and you can sort of go down the list and say and you can say the same thing about will bruin i don't know i actually don't know that they made an offer to freddie montero they definitely made a will offer to will bruin they made an offer to a few other veterans and basically what they do is they say like this is the number we're willing to pay you why don't you go out on the market and see what else is out there and if someone is willing to pay you more than us we're more than happy to like consider that and maybe we'll change our offer but that's sort of the situation that I, I get the impression that they are in with Alex, especially where they basically gave him a number. I don't know what it is. I would guess it's somewhere in the 300, like 250 to 500 range. Like that's a big range, but it's probably in that range. Right. And they said, Hey, if you can go out and find someone in, in Mexico or Central America or hell in Europe, that's willing to pay you more than this, you know, we're more than happy to, talk to you about maybe upping our offer but this is our offer so go out and see what else is out there and uh and if not we would love to have you back and and so i don't get the impression that he's found a lot of better offers overseas or elsewhere and so my suspicion is that he's going to be back but that's not finalized yet and they're sort of waiting on him to tell him what they what he wants to do do you think we'll hear anything about these moves before preseason starts on God, Monday? I hope so. Right? I know. It's yeah. like, yeah, preseason. So the players are supposed to report on Monday. I don't think it's they're going to jump scare. How is preseason starting already? I, it's a bit of a jump scare. Yeah, like uh, Scream 4 is coming out. So uh, apt uh, jump scare reference, I think. Uh, but maybe not. I may have just uh, totally thrown that. That's, that's the picture that jumped in my head when you said jump scare. And I don't even know if scream had jump scares in it but anyway not really but yeah let's 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 move beyond that wrong analogy. genre of horror right wrong exactly uh but yeah it's it, like this preseason starts like next week and uh and you know uh my suspicion is is like we just saw a report today that uh will bruin has an offer from atlanta united i don't know how that stacks up against the one that the sounders offered him but he does have an offer from the Sounders. He's, but I would suspect that he is going to want to make that decision before he has to report to camp uh, somewhere. Uh, 
Alex, you would assume is the same thing. Like you would think he would want to make it like, he's not going to just want to sit around and wait. Cause at some point the Sounders are going to have to move on to their next one. My, my under impression is that we, we saw a report that Kellen Rowe and the Sounders had verbally agreed. I haven't heard if that's finalized, but it sounds like they're still planning on bringing Kellen back. Kellen was uh, just at Canlis, So I'm assuming he got that money from somewhere. Right. And he also bought a Tesla, uh, right before, like right at the end of the season. So he, one he of the recalled be... ones or. <laughs> right. Yeah. I think they all got recalled, didn't they? Sorry. Uh, <laughs> and... He's going to have to find someone else to carpool the to preseason with. Right. Exactly. He's, yeah. he's, he's by Tesla's in the shop, uh, being, uh, totally re, re, reworked. Uh, we know Spencer Ritchie's gone. Guys, Shane O'Neill's gone. Uh, Steph Cleveland, though, surprisingly, might be back. Uh, I don't know that anything's been finalized there, but it sounds like he's no one's bowled him over with a big free agent offer. So, like, he he might be back too. Maybe he uh, heard about the apple orchard. Maybe he did. Maybe he did. Uh, the apple orchard is suddenly like a really big pitch point for the Sounders bringing people back. But yeah, um, doesn't hit the cap. I don't know. It shouldn't, right? Like, I don't think so. I think you can get, pay people in apples. Yeah, there's no Unless they anywhere. start, like, apple allocation money. <laughs> which cannot be used on apple products, just on edible apples. Right. Uh, and then the other the other moves that we've heard about so far, uh, well, obviously, Obed Vargas got signed. Sam Adenarin got signed. Uh, Obed also got called into the U-20 team for the United States. Apparently, he turned down a chance to go, like, Mexico also called him in, but he he had committed to the United States. Uh, and then Jackson Sounders uh, acquired Jackson Reagan's MLS rights. They haven't signed him yet. Sounds like they're going to go through preseason with him and see how he does. But he's a he's a big center back from Seattle. Uh, he is not homegrown player eligible, I learned today, uh, because apparently once you enter the draft, you're no longer eligible for the for homegrown player rights. Uh, but the Sounders did trade uh, Chris Hagart's uh, homegrown player rights to Chicago, uh, Charlotte FC, and they got uh, 50000 in allocation money up front, potentially another 50000 in uh, incentives that I don't know how likely they are to hit, but I would imagine it has something to do with playing time. And uh, yeah, I think that, I think any other, any other, do we have any other tr- transitions we need to feed into? I don't think so. I think the that- draft is on Tuesday, so... It- the draft is on Tuesday. I'm supposed to talk to Jamie Clark, who is the coach of UW on Friday. Uh, he's no relation. Yeah, go dogs. Uh, no, no relation. Uh, he's uh, in St. Louis with Dylan Tevez for the Mac Herman uh, award ceremony. And so I'm going to just get a sense of, you know, like what he thinks of this draft class and uh, probably ask who him was- about some of these players that of his that are in, in that are going into this going to be turning pro in this year uh two jamie clark moments one that's six uh six dogs not dylan tevez but six other dogs are draft eligible this year oh, that's, that's a huge a amount class. of their roster yeah um including brian sailor who is the pac-12 defensive player of the year and who was second on the team in goals scored was he a crossfire um, guy yeah there lots of crossfire and east side fc yeah. in that group miglietti is the only one of those that is a uh, a former sounder there are only two former Sounder Academy players in the draft this year. Unlike uh, last year, we saw four of them with uh, several of them going on to, to pro contracts. Um, Speaking Jamie, of one of those players, I just want to interject this. Uh, when I was finding out about Jackson Reagan's homegrown player rights, 
I was, I said, well, what about Joe Hafferty? Since you guys did, kind of drafted him. And they said, well, I guess when we, if we try to sign him, we'll find out. <laughs> I thought that was like a classic MLS answer. Right. Because the, uh, there were two kind of similar players um, that went through the draft uh, that had weird rights. Uh, Jordan Schweitzer, who right. eventually signed a, a USL deal with the team. And my understanding is because he, um, he was the one that was drafted by out. the Sounders. No, he pulled, I think the, Jordan dra- pulled out of the draft, right? I think the Sounders signed him right before the draft and he pulled out of the draft, if I okay. remember correctly. The LA Kyle Galaxy Bjorn just did. signed Kelvin Leardham. Oh. That's well, congrats on having a backup center back because that's where he had his most success for a bad team. Um, they used him as a central center back at Inter-Miami, which whatever deeds. Hey. Uh, Kyle Bjornathun was the one that the Sounders drafted with the final pick of the draft in the uh, Mr. Irrelevant slot. Um, Didn't he go to the Timbers? He eventually um, got what he thought was a better contract from T2 um, and drifted around USL for a while. But my understanding was he was the one that I was mistaken on because he was drafted by the Sounders. They had his homegrown rights still. But like Reagan, Rothrock were drafted by other orgs. So those that's how they, they lost the rights. Hafferty's in this weird draft day trade thing. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not really surprised that MLS is confused about those rights. Uh, I have one more Jamie Clark trivia for you. Who was the first Seattle Sounders player who played for Jamie Clark in college? Ooh. Uh, let's see. So this must have been 2011? 2009. As a child. 2009. Oh, man. The first ever draft. A Mac Herman semifinalist. Did he play, end up playing for the Sounders? Yes. I'll give you one other clue. The reason I'm a, that I am asking this question is significant. <laughs> it's Mike Fusito. Oh, what? Oh, played for what? Jamie Clark at Harvard. My, I was going to say, where was, did uh, it, that was? There's got to be a trick question in there. Okay. Yeah, Jamie was. Uh, my first ever college coach that I interviewed for Sounder at Heart. Yeah. Jamie is an interesting guy. He's been around forever. Like he's, he's been, I think he's only met and he's only missed the tournament twice. I think with UW, uh, yeah. they, they had their best ever run this year. They got to the championship game. Uh, this was the first time they'd ever made the final four in the college cup. Uh, but yeah, he's had a lot of, had a lot of success there. Um, and one of the top, um, one of the top ten schools for MLS MLS products. Yeah, there's a ton uh, of UW players around the around the country, uh, around MLS, I should say. Like every year, he's got guys getting drafted, and um, not always. And and he's done a great job of finding talent from this area that isn't just Sounders Academy players. Like he's done a really good job with Crossfire and and Eastside, and uh, and he seems to really understand. Like he, he gets a lot of pro potential. Like he's done a great job of developing pros, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. There's a Tacoma kid in the draft that he discovered just from like gig Harbor high school. Um, got born in Tacoma general uh, hospital. Um, I was like, where do I know that name from? And he was basically the uh, Pierce County player of the year in his senior year. So it's one of those interesting things that, you know, he was a, a player for Jamie Clark on a very good college team and is now draft eligible 
uh, it's only three rounds of the draft, but there's 28 teams. So there's a pretty good chance that a high school product, even not even playing for East side or crossfire or the sounders, but a high school product uh, winds up drafted. And it's kind of funny when we, we think about how uh, the academies changed everything. And yet quite simply, some things haven't changed. You can still be really good in high school. Christian rolled on and go on to an MLS career. Yeah, it's it is fascinating for all the change that we've gone through. Uh, there are still players that are slipping through the cracks, and it's hard to imagine college soccer ever completely like like. And every year we we get high level players coming out of the draft. Now it's not you know like Tejon Buchanan this year just got transferred for a bunch of money. Daryl DK just got transferred for a bunch of money. These are guys that are coming out of the draft still. Uh, you know, it's not like it's not the NFL where the draft is the most important thing, but you know, the draft is still useful. Uh, the Sounders use the draft to get Christian rolled on. They use it to get Alex rolled on. Uh, they have quite a few players on their roster uh, that n- they didn't necessarily draft, but who came through the draft. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's still like we, we, I, I certainly poo poo it oftentimes. Cause I think we can get like, I think as an event, it's over, it's still overblown as, importance but it's not irrelevant like it's just like there are still very useful pieces to be found in the in the mls draft in the five american men's leagues and the two um fully professional women's leagues the mls draft is probably less significant than every other one of those drafts nwsl draft is clearly more important players can step in to start even if they're drafted in the second round the nfl is where it's the most popular but mls feels kind of like major league baseball in that uh unless you're like a top five guy uh, it'll be a couple of years before we see the impact. Like Alex Roldan drafted. Um, he wasn't a significant player really until this year. Like uh, even in 2020, he didn't earn the start essentially until just before the playoffs. So it's uh, it took him what three or four years before he became what he is now as a free and a, a free agent that can earn a pretty good contract while the captain of El Salvador, but he was drafted, you know, when he was drafted, he played something like 800 minutes as a kind of a marginal attacking talent. And it took a while to change. And I just think that it's interesting that of kind of leagues with drafts in, in the United States, uh, MLS is probably the least significant of them in how a team finds talent to build around. Yeah, no, I would agree with all that, uh, which is to say that I don't I don't know that the Sounders will be particularly active in this draft, but they continue to like it's it's worth watching. Um, we have know, one of our higher picks. Um, we do. We have the 20th. We have the 20th pick, which is uh, if they use that pick, it would be the highest they've picked. It will be tied for the highest they've picked since they picked rolled on with the 16 pick in 2015. Um, so, yeah, perks I mean, of bombing out of the playoffs. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, and then the other one is at 76, which should be the draft is a Tuesday afternoon. No, uh, no ESPN this year. It's just an MLS soccer, obviously sounder title recap with the, the sounder stuff do, but the 76 pick that's a, that's going to be hours into it when we're all looking at each other exhausted that nothing's happened, but we've had to be paying very close attention in case something does. So our slack will be a bunch of frustrated people like why why doesn't anything happen and then like 10 teams will pass right in a row and then the sounders will pick 
that's how I kind of expect it to happen. The Sounders will take a flyer on a guy and then like 10 teams in between them will have passed. Yeah. 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 I'd say that's probably an accurate way of thinking of it, but uh, all right. Well, I know we have uh, Dave has, has other responsibilities and uh, we, I think we, we covered all the ground that we needed to cover today. We'll uh, like I said, I have an interview with Jamie Clark that we'll probably publish early next week ahead of the draft. And then we'll uh, we'll be back talking training camp roster. Exactly. So it's it's we're we're getting ready to get back into the swing of things. So uh, hopefully you miss you you uh, missed us because we're gonna be we're gonna be coming back with a fire hose uh, pretty soon here. But uh, signing off for the Sounder at Heart podcast, I'm Jeremiah Shan on behalf of uh, Beth Mantle and Dave Clark. We will see you next time.